Good morning and welcome to Clear Creek Church of Christ. As Sean mentioned earlier, uh, if you are visiting with us, we welcome you here today. My name is Bill Greer. I am not Josh Diggs, and I am not the teaching minister here at Clear Creek. So if you're watching online or you're here with us in person and this is your first time with Clear Creek, I implore you, give it one more Sunday. Don't let the day be the determining factor of whether you come back or not, please. Come back next week when the professional preacher is here. If you're a member here at Clear Creek, we are glad you are here. Thanks for being here this morning, and we look forward to studying the Word of God this morning with everyone. If I took the opportunity to ask these next couple of questions and ask you to participate, I have a great feeling pretty much 100% of the people in the room would raise their hand on all four of these questions. So you don't have to participate. Just think in your mind. Question number one, have you ever made a promise to someone? Question number two, has anyone ever made a promise to you? See where I'm going? I'm doing pretty good so far, right? I think everybody would go, yep, we're good so far. Question number three. Has anyone that's ever made a promise to you broken that promise to you? Yeah, now we're all running through people in our minds, aren't we? Running your list of people. Question number four is going to get on some toes here, so be be ready. Have you ever made a promise to someone and broken that promise? Again, four questions I think without fail, every one of us would raise our hand and go, yep, that gets me on almost all of those. So what I want us to look at this morning is God's promises or some of God's promises to us. And then one particular that we will close with that should really be the foundational part of our faith should really be the thing that drives us when we leave here today to go out and spread the gospel, should be the thing that should have us smiling, happy, in a good mood, and thankful to be a child of God's. And we'll look at that here at the end. So let's make sure we're clear on what we're talking about here when we talk about the word promise. And I realize now that this is a bit of an eye chart, so I apologize. I can't see that at all. So fortunately, I can read it from up here. So the word promise can be a noun, which is a declaration or assurance that one will do a particular thing or take a particular thing or that a particular thing will happen. You may have heard it referred to as giving someone or your word, an assurance, a pledge, a vow, guarantee. You can see the rest of them there, commitment, covenant. Now the verb part of the word promise is just, remember from elementary English, is the action part of that word, right? So the verb, assure someone, assure someone that one will definitely do, give, or arrange something, undertake or declare that something will happen. Synonyms look like swearing. If you've ever been into, hopefully not into Lila's courtroom or any other courtroom, you've had to raise your right hand, give an oath, swear that what you're about to tell is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You may have made a pledge, you've made a vow at some point in time in your life. So just make sure we're all familiar with what the word promise means. A couple of examples of promises, and some of these I think are quite humorous. The first one, we've probably all done this as a kid, and if we have small children, we've had this happen to us. Your child opens the door and they're holding this 
greasy, tiny kitten or puppy and say, they say, Mom, Dad, if you will let me keep this, I will. I'll take care of it. I'll feed it. I'll water it. I'll take it for walks. Now, some of you as parents are laughing because we know how that has turned out, right? We know how that works. As your, ki- as your children get older, they say, Hey, Mom or Dad, can I go spend the night with so-and-so? I know I've got a big test tomorrow, but I promise I'll study hard and make good grades. Or as they turn 16, Hey, Dad, can I have the keys to the car? I know it's a school night, but I promise if you'll let me take the car, I'll be safe. I won't speed, and I'll be home by curfew. Most of us have probably said those things. Most of us have probably had those things said to us at some point in time in our lives. As we became adults, we've made marriage vows. We've stood before God and our partner and looked them in the eye and said, I promise or I vow to you to love, honor, respect, cherish. We we know how that goes. We make those vows to our spouse. We make financial commitments. You go to buy a new car or a new vehicle, you go in and you say, if you will let me drive this car off your lot today, then I promise I'll pay you X number dollars a month for X number of months. We do that for cars, we do it for trucks, we do it for houses. You may even do it for a business that you're purchasing. We make financial commitments or promises to someone. My favorite, and we're close. Folks, we are so close to November, I can't stand it because the, the funny season begins. If you elect me, I promise to... Dot, 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 dot. We hear that all the time, and you're going to hear that quite a bit between now and November. We make a spiritual promise at some point in time in our lives, most of us do, to God. That we will be obedient, that we will be faithful, that we will follow Him. We will try to be like Him in everything that we do. Typically, these promises are if-then statements, right? If something happens, then the promise will be followed through with. Or we will keep our end of the promise. But as we find, life happens. And over time, sometimes, broken promises occur. And broken promises do several things. Number one, they kind of erode trust, do they not? Between the people that have made that commitment to each other. Lead to disappointment. And really start to devalue the relationship. Again, I'm not asking for names, but you all may have someone in your mind right now that you're thinking of that over time has made numerous promises to you, has not kept those promises to you, and now when they say, hey, I promise, we go, <laughs> yeah, right. Right? And you all have those folks in your mind that's not trustworthy. We don't believe them anymore when they say that. On the flip side of that, we also have people that we look at when they say, I promise you... As the old saying goes, you can take that to the bank. They gave you their word. They will fulfill their word. And that relationship is built on trust. And every time that happens, it gets a little stronger and stronger and stronger to where you really don't question it anymore. When they say they're going to do something, we know they will follow through. And it adds value to that promise, to that relationship. So does time matter when we make promises to each other? So if I ask you an either-or here, you have to make a promise that you have to keep. And you have two options. You can make a promise that you will keep in the next 30 seconds or a promise that you will keep in the next 30 years. Which one are you picking? The 30 seconds, right? 
feel pretty good that I can fulfill that promise in the next 30 seconds. 30 years? Oh, now we're talking a long time. There's a lot that can happen in the next 30 years, right? So it makes it a little harder for us to want to make those kinds of commitments. Hence the reason when you go to a lending institution to buy a, a house, they don't just shake your hand, hand you the keys and go, go enjoy that half a million dollar home we just gave you. They're not doing that. They're giving you a stack of papers three inches thick, making you sign all of these legal documents because they know that over time it becomes more difficult to keep promises. So why does that matter to us? It's always a question I always want to ask. What's the why? What's in it for me? Why does it matter about keeping promises? What I want us to look at this morning is some promises that God has made and how they impact some promises that we're still holding on to. So if you will, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, a story that we're familiar with. God has created the earth. He's created the Garden of Eden. He's placed Adam and Eve in this garden. And it's perfect. Perfect. God comes to them in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, and he says, and the writer writes, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. God makes a promise, does he not? You eat the fruit, you're going to die. Now we know what happens. We know that Adam and Eve eat of the fruit. And they fall over dead instantly because God kept his promise. Clearly that's not what happens, right? Bible says differently. We're still standing here, so unless he recreated other human beings, it clearly did not happen. So God, you made a promise to Adam. You eat the fruit, you're going to die. Turn over to Genesis chapter 5. We read about that when that promise is fulfilled. Genesis chapter 5 tells us, And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. You back up to verse 3. And Adam lived 130 years, and beget a son in his own likeness, and after his image, and he called his name Seth. So why is that important for this part of the story? Let's make an assumption for this argument, for this story here. I know I don't believe this. I'm just using it as an example. God comes to Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 2, and says, Don't eat of the fruit. If you do, you die. The next day, Seth is born. After they've eaten that fruit. How many years did Adam live after Seth was born? 800 years. So again, for the sake of this example, if Adam was 130 years old, he eats of the fruit, Seth is born, he lives another 800 years before he dies. It took God 800 years to fulfill the promise he makes to Adam in Genesis chapter 2. God didn't forget the promise he made. It just didn't happen on Adam's time frame, right? Later on in the book of Genesis, later down towards the end of chapter 5, let's try this again. There we go. God makes two promises to Noah. 
Genesis chapter 5, at the, at the end of the chapter, verse 32, we read this. And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Chapter, 16 we re, or chapter 6 we read, And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, and for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark out of gopher wood, and he goes through telling him how to do it. And you get to verse 11 of chapter 7, and it says, In the 600th year of Noah's life, second month and the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep opened. So let's go back to our kind of our framework of our example. If Noah has three sons, the next day God comes and says, Build an ark, I'm destroying the earth. It's around 100 years before God ever makes it rain that Noah spends building this ark. You think Noah ever questioned God? God, you're going to keep that promise? Remember, you told me you're going to do this, right? It's never rained before, and you're talking about that you're going to flood the earth, and here I sit building an ark, a big boat being made fun of. How long before you keep your promise? It's 100 years before that happens. But the next promise to Noah is one that you may have seen this weekend. So as Noah and his family are coming off of the ark, in chapter 9, God says, And I, behold, I establish my covenant. Remember at the beginning we talked about covenants, promises, vows, assurances, guarantees? Same word. I make my covenant with you and with your seed after you. Verse 11. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood, neither shall there be any more a flood to destroy the earth. I do set my bow in the cloud... And it shall be a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. In verse 15, And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. Depending upon the historical or the biblical historian you look at, this is anywhere from 4,500 to 5,000 years ago that God made this promise. And this weekend, if you walked outside during the rain showers, you might have seen a rainbow in the cloud. Hopefully that reminded you, because it reminded God, of a promise that He made 4,500 to 5,000 years ago, that He would not destroy the earth again by water. That's His covenant to Noah. And He's kept that promise for 45, 5,000 roughly years. God's still keeping that promise. So in Genesis chapter 12, God comes to Abram and says, I need you to do something. I need you to pack up your family. I'm going to take you and show you a land, and take you into a land that I'm going to give to you. You've never been there. You don't know anything about it. Trust me. Follow me. And if you do this, then I will make of you a great nation. I will bless the earth. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 and 3, but specifically 3. I will bless those who bless you and honor, and him who dishonors you, I will curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So we see much later, Romans chapter 15, Paul is writing and he says, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. Hey, Paul, who are the patriarchs you're referring to here in Romans chapter 15? 
Galatians chapter 3. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to whom? To Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Almost quoting verbatim the promise that God made to Abraham roughly, again, debatable on biblical scholars, 1900, 1950 years prior, God fulfilled his promise to Abraham. Just took a little time for it to get there. So again, that's great. God, you've made all these promises to all these people. What does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with us? So John chapter 14 Jesus is with his disciples. He is close to being betrayed, being crucified, ending his life, his earthly life. And so he looks at his, he's with his disciples and he tells them, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, here's the promise. I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So Jesus makes a promise to his disciples that carries through to us as well in that we're his disciples. That he says, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go away and I'm going to create this place, but I promise you this. I'll come back. And I will get you, and I'll take you to where I have been. I'll take you to the place that I have prepared. So as we look at the examples that we've seen, we might start questioning, God, we're going on 2,000, or a little over 2,000 years now since you made that promise. Does time matter to God? We've seen from the examples that it clearly doesn't. Right? Time doesn't matter to God. But Peter gives us a little better understanding why. In 2 Peter chapter 3, he writes, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Now let me pause there. Peter is not saying that God has a calendar, and for every day he goes 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. He's not counting it that way. Let me ask you this question. Do you remember what you did yesterday? Most of us would say, yeah, I can remember what I did yesterday. Let's make it a little more challenging. you remember what you did last week? Last month? A year ago? Five years ago? Ten years ago? We can keep doing this. Most likely, most of us are going to, yeah, no, I don't remember. But I can remember yesterday pretty well. So what Peter is telling us is that a thousand years to God is just like yesterday. He hasn't forgotten. He hasn't realized that he's made a promise and maybe he can, maybe he shouldn't keep it. Hadn't forgotten that he made the promise because in his mind, it's still fresh. Peter's also telling us that God, as we know, is not limited by time. So in our minds... If we make promises to people, we kind of put time limitations around that because that's a constraint we as human beings have to deal with and live with. Time. To God, that constraint does not exist. So in his mind, 
When God makes a promise, yesterday, a thousand years, ten thousand years, but he hadn't forgotten it. He's just made it. In his mind, that's the freshness of that promise that he makes. So in verse 9, the Lord is not slow. For those of us that have been around the church for a long time, we like the King James word, slack. The Lord is not slack or slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So why does it matter that Jesus made the promise in John chapter 14 that he will come again? What does it have to do with us? We need to be very, very, very thankful that God keeps his promises. If God did not keep his promises, I would challenge us to ask ourselves, why are we here? Why do we do this? Why do we pretend or act and try to follow this book if God doesn't keep his promises, right? And how many promises does he have to break before we would go, yeah, I'm not real sure I trust this anymore. Here's what we know. Books full of promises, they've all been kept. Here's what we know. God makes a promise. We're still, run, we're still running on 4,500 again. 4,500, 5,000 years. And every time it rains, God, remind, God reminds us and himself, I made a promise. I'm not going to break it. I'm going to keep that promise. Jesus makes us the promise. Believe in me, and I'll come back, and I'll take you to where the place that I've prepared for you. What a great thought. What a great basis for us as Christians to live happy, excited, faithful lives. Now, I know good and well that life is not easy, right? Life can really be hard. And at times we might question God and say, God, look at the world around us. Look at everything that's taking place in this world. Why are you taking so long? You're going to keep your promise or not? What are you waiting on? Maybe we look at our friends and our family and go, it's tough, it's rough. I've had a rough life. My family's had a rough life. All of these things that are going on in our life, and we keep asking God, are you going to keep your promise or not? You coming back? You've promised. Here we sit. Here we go every day dealing with this world. And maybe sometimes you get up and you look in the mirror and think of all of the difficulties and challenges that you face every single day in your life and say, God, are you going to keep your promise? Are you going to keep your promise? Here's what I want you to know. Here's what the Bible, what God wants you to know, is that every time you ask that question, he has one word to answer that with. Yes. I'm going to keep my promise. I'm going to keep my promise. All right, God, how long? What are you waiting on? Have you ever wondered what Adam thought when God kicked him out of the garden? You think he remembered God telling him that? You eat of this fruit, you're going to die. And Adam's like, Oops, still alive. Oops, still alive. For 800 years, he wanders around going, when's the day that God's going to keep this promise? 
Noah comes off the ark, having seen the world destroyed by water, dies and goes, I don't know if God ever kept that promise or not. Abraham lives, dies, never knows if that promise is fulfilled. He doesn't. He doesn't see it. But we see that they all were. We have proof. We know that God kept those promises. That's the proof today. That's the answer today that when God says, or we ask him, are you going to keep your promise? Yep. Ask Adam. Ask Noah. Ask Abraham. Did I do it? Yep, I did. That's what God's telling us. So again, how does that impact us? Maybe you're here or you're watching online and you're going, how do I get to be part of this promise that God has made that he will take me home? That's the beauty of the second part of 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says God is patient, not wanting any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Why is that? Because he knows he's going to keep that promise. He knows he's coming back. And he wants to take as many people back with him as he can. And to do that, he knows not everyone has yet. And he wants to give some more time. So if you're watching at home or you're here this morning and you haven't obeyed Christ, we encourage you, do so. After service, you can step outside. There will be elders out front that will be willing to talk with you, to help you, explain all of this to you, to understand how do you become a child of God? What do I need to do to, as Jesus says, to believe in Him? It's more than just saying, I know He exists. It's the belief that says, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to confess Him today and every day. I'm going to meet Him in the water of baptism. And i got access to that promise that says, when He comes back, I'm going home with Him. Please, if you've not done that, take the opportunity this morning to... Speak with one of our elders and find out how that takes place in your life. If you've done that, I want you to walk out of here today knowing that the world may beat us up. The world is difficult, it's hard, it's frustrating, and sometimes we just want to give up. But here's what you need to know. He is coming back. He, the Lord, will take us home to the place that he's created And we know that he's created this place that is no more sorrow, tears, pain, suffering, heart. You name it, it's all gone. And it's an eternity spent in praise and worship to God. It's a little different than what we see today. It's a little different than what we experience every day in our lives. But that's the thought I encourage you as you leave here today. Keep that thought in the back of your mind. This world may be awful. Our situation may not be great, but there's a promise that we're holding on to that says one day I'm coming back and I'm taking you home with me. What a wonderful, wonderful thought. We're going to sing a song to close us out here in a moment, but before we do, I'm going to ask you to please stand and let's have a prayer. God, we are so thankful for this day. God, we are so thankful for this this opportunity that we've had to be here today to worship you. 
Father, to get an idea and understanding just a little bit of what heaven will be like, where we will spend eternity praising your name. Father, we're so thankful that we see example after example after example of promises that you have made and promises that you have kept. Because we live our lives every day, Father, on the promise that you gave to us that you will go and you will return. And when you return, you will take us home with you. And that's the thought, the mindset that leaves us every day, or that we strive every day, Father, to show to the world. That should be our driving focus of why we want to teach and to be the kind of example you would have us to be because we know your promises will be fulfilled and we want as many to come to repentance as you do. We're thankful for Jesus who made that promise. We're thankful for Jesus who will fulfill that promise to us. We pray that you would give us the strength, the desire, and the drive, Father, every day so that when people see us, they want to know, why are you so different? Why are you so happy? Why are you living in a terrible world without all the pain and sorrow? Because, Father, your promise to us that says you will take us home. All of this is possible through your son, Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.